with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Pulse and Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Welcome in on a Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. How we doing, everybody? We are uh, rapidly approaching the arrival of Santa. Kids, get ready. Get ready. You better be nice. You only have uh, a few more days. Don't get naughty before uh, Santa gets here. That would not be good. Would not be good. But uh, we've got a good show, I think, lined up for you today. Got a couple guests for you. Tim Lasher is going to join us at 1235. And, of course, Tim's great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, uh, brings us the first hour right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They've done some work for us. They do an outstanding job. Tim was an outstanding kicker for the Sooners, 83 through 86. We'll talk to Tim coming up at 1235. His thoughts on Brent Venables, his thoughts on the uh, current state of college football, where we're headed, all of that coming up at 1235. Brandon Rabar will join us coming up at 135 today on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Thunder avenged that 73-point setback, which was the worst in NBA history when they lost to uh, Memphis back on December 2nd. But having uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, having Josh Giddy. Having Kenrich Williams in the lineup makes a big difference for Oklahoma City. They went in Memphis last night, 102-99. So that'll be coming up a little bit later as well. The Browns. The Browns. One first down and your entire season changes. Nick Mullins, I thought, came in and did a pretty good job and uh, had you know some passes dropped, kind of like Baker's had some passes dropped this year. Will Peoples-Jones was the main offender. But the uh, Raiders win on the Daniel Carlson 48-yard field goal at uh, time expired in Cleveland uh, last night. A 48-yard of the Raiders go to 16 eh, uh, on the field goal, and the Browns only had 14. So the Browns lose the game. Not good. And uh, devastating loss for Cleveland. And all the Browns have to do to try and regroup is turn around and play on Saturday against Green Bay at Lambeau. Probably the team playing the best football in the NFL right now. That was a back-breaking loss for the Browns. It Mike. was. Like that, that loss is probably the razor's edge between playoff berth yeah. and outside looking in. And you're in first place if you win that game, and now you're in last place in the AFC North. So, Which shows you how tightly packed that division is. Everybody's yeah, within absolutely. one game of each other. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy in the AFC. Uh, Vikings beat the Bears 17-9. Matt Nagy will be gone soon in Chicago. They're 4-10. The Vikes uh, would just squeeze into the playoffs right now as the 7th seed. They are 7-7 seven seven of the year. We've got two games happening tonight. Both of those games are Fox games. So we are getting the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles locally. Uh, Washington is six and seven. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts and company, they're seven and seven on the year. Seattle and the Rams is the other matchup at SoFi. The Rams are nine and four, and the Seattle Seahawks at five and eight. Feels like this will be the last year for Russell Wilson in Seattle. You really, it? you really feel that way? Yeah, I kind of get that feeling, don't you? I feel like the clock's been ticking for a while, but he keeps hanging around. Who knows? I guess it comes down to. Whether the organization feels like there's a better option out there than Russell Wilson, because that's the thing whenever you make a change at quarterback, right? That's the reason why you see so many guys stick around 
with one team for so long these days is because there is that lingering fear at the organizational level of what the alternative could be. Even if you go draft a guy with a top five pick and you're certain that he is your next franchise quarterback, a lot of those guys tend to wash out. For every Kyler Murray, you get a Josh Rosen, right? And so there's no guarantee. So when you know you have somebody who is stable and effective and one could argue elite in Russell Wilson, it stands to reason you keep him around as long as reasonably possible, or at least as long as it makes sense for both parties. Yeah, I I got you, because there are very few of those guys in the NFL. Very few. How many are there right now? Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. I'd throw Justin Herbert in that conversation. Oh, really? In that group already? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think he's a tier below. I mean... Well, I mean, what what is the tier that we're talking well, about? Well, I mean, those are guys that have been there and, and done that. You know what I'm saying? That have won okay. Super Bowls. I'm just saying, like... Teams that don't make a move at quarterback. No, and I agree. Herbert's going to be a fixture, it looks like, for a while with the Chargers there. I feel like the Raiders have kind of been straddling that line for a while with Derek Carr. I do think Derek Carr's a better quarterback than he gets credit for. The Titans are probably in that same boat with Ryan Tannehill. Lamar Jackson's won an MVP, but he's still, you know, erratic at times. No doubt about that, but, uh, man, that was a crushing loss for Cleveland, absolutely crushing. So they have Green Bay on the road Christmas Day, 3.30 on Fox. Then they have to go to Pittsburgh, and then they come home and play the Bengals. Those are the three games left for Cleveland. So, I mean, you've got to win two of those three. And they can beat the Steelers and the Bengals. Joe Mixon's going to be hurt, going to be missing the rest of the regular season, right? So is it doable? Yes, but they're probably going to need some help, and they're going to need to win two games. Yeah, the question ultimately becomes, is 9-8 and eight good enough to make the playoffs in that crowded AFC? And, you know, it's unclear at this point how all the tiebreakers are going to work out and how all the hairs will be split. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, if I'm Baker Mayfield, right, I don't love my odds of securing a playoff berth at 9-8. and eight. No, I'm with you. And one of the teams they're involved uh, in the tiebreaker situation with is the Raiders now. Because the Raiders are 7-7-2, seven and seven two, and guess who owns the tiebreaker in the matchup after winning on the last second field goal. And I knew once the Raiders got the ball back and Cleveland did not make that first down to basically end the game that the Raiders were going to win the game. And the Raiders did win the game. Okay, uh, we are eight days away from an Alamo Bowl shootout, ladies and gentlemen. The first ever Alamo Bowl matchup between two 10-win teams, the Oklahoma Sooners and the Oregon Ducks. Depleted rosters, yes. Interesting matchup. Yeah, I think with Bob Stoops particularly coming in as their interim coach. And uh, Brian McClendon is the interim coach for the Oregon Ducks. They hired Dan Lanning. The Sooners, of course, hired Brent Venables, but uh, both – OU and Oregon will have interim coaches for this Alamo Bowl matchup. Bob Stoops at uh, his presser yesterday says so far the attitude has been good both for the offense and the defense. Well, both units have, have really looked good. So, uh, sure, I mean, you, you next guy, next man up. We've got guys here that, that are ready to play and have worked hard to play. So, um, yeah, no, we're uh, we're looking forward to, you know, to hopefully putting on a uh, – a good game, playing a good game, and our guys have been working just fine. There you go, positive Bob. He's always positive. 
and uh, we'll see if the Sooners can get it done. Obviously, a lot of guys missing on the defensive side of the football with uh, Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito and Brian Asamoa. I mean, Oklahoma has been uh, severely depleted. I'm missing one other guy. There's another guy who opted out, too. Parker, who am I missing? Winfrey, Benito, Asamoa. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas was the last one, IT, uh, late last week. So uh, those are four what I would call stalwarts on the OU defense. Brian Asamoah had a great year. We know what Nick Benito's all about. Perrion Winfrey was a little bit inconsistent, but at times was dominant. And Isaiah Thomas, of course, over the last two years became a really solid defender for the Sooners. So uh, Oklahoma and Oregon, it's going to be really interesting. I don't even know how you set a line on this game, but Vegas figures a way. The other thing is, again, the coaching staffs. And for Oklahoma... Cale Gundy's going to call the offense. Brian Odom is back. Even though he's on uh, the USC staff, he is back to coach the Sooners in this bowl game and call the defense. Jamar Kane is back. Calvin Thibodeau is back as well. Uh, Thibodeau's at uh, SMU. Jamar Kane also on uh, the staff at SC. Bob Stoop says this was a very tough spot for all these assistant coaches to be in. A lot of these guys are put in a position they don't know if they're going they don't know if they're invited to go they don't know if they have a job here remaining on and on or do they have one somewhere else and when does it start so these guys have done a great job you know uh, Brian Odom is putting things together with you know with um, Calvin Thibodeau and uh, Jamar Kane and uh, they're doing an awesome job Will Johnson our young secondary guy is working with them so uh, I appreciate them very much. And, uh, they've worked hard at it. They're up you know, in the office putting in the time and putting together a game plan out on the field practicing. And so um, uh, it is. It's, a, it's an incredibly difficult time for assistant coaches, and they're not aware of the change either. So they're caught off guard and by surprise, and they've got families to think about, little children in schools. And, and uh, so, you know, their, their whole world's turned upside down as well. Interesting debate last night on Twitter because, uh, you know, Brian Odom's an Oklahoma guy, played at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he's he's still, I consider, a, a Sooner guy through and through. But And Jamar Cain was highly respected by all those guys. So was Calvin Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if they're contractually obligated or not, them being back coaching is a good thing. I don't blame Parker, any of the assistant coaches. They got mule shoot like everybody else. You can't right? blame them, and I think Bob Stoops saying, "Yeah, they're they're in a really tough situation." That's his way of saying, "Screw you, mule shoe, for yeah, doing this I mean, to these guys." Particularly, some of those guys only had you know a, a little bit of time to to react and make a decision. It was like planes leaving in an hour, make a decision, you know, that kind of thing. It, uh, it felt like exactly. And when you're on the spot like that. And you don't know if you're going to have a job or not if you stay at Oklahoma. The safe bet is to go to USC as yes. much as it sucks. You are right? 100% rolling the dice. You may think, man, I don't want to go to California. I, You know, I do I want to do that? I don't think I want to do that. But I can't roll the dice here at OU. The new coach usually wants his own guys, right? And nobody knew at that point. And you can make the argument, right, that Jamar Kane and Brian Odom, and well, we know Calvin Thibodeau wasn't retained, but Jamar, Jamar Kane and Brian Odom might have been retained under Brent mm-hmm. Venables if they'd stuck around. 
But they didn't know at that but, point but in time you, that Brett Venables was going to be the next hire. Like I said, you can't uh, you can't afford to take that gamble. And, uh, you know, that process took a while. Part of it is OU, you know, being a state institution. They've got to go through certain things when they're hiring. Uh, that was part of the process, I'm sure. And as Joe Castiglione said, you know, we owed it to everybody also to do a thorough search, as thorough as we could do, even though they probably had Brent Venables as their number one guy in mind the whole time. But so, again, if you're Brian Odom and you're Jamar Kane, I mean, yeah. It would be really cool if they were still around because I think they're good coaches. I think they were well-liked by the players and everybody. But all of a sudden, you could be out, out, out of a job. Now, they would have landed somewhere, but look, if you got the offer to go to SC, which is a sleeping giant, by the way. I know they haven't been playing up to their standards in a while, but you know if your other option is USC – and you're very unsure if you would be retained at Oklahoma, you know, to stay on staff, they made the right call. And, again, I don't blame them one iota. There is one man at fault for all of this yes. and one man only. Mule shoe. That's right. Mule shoe. I mean, <sighs> see, I like Chuck Berry. I still can't, uh, still can't get myself to like Mule shoe right now. Because of what he did to the Sooner Nation. Did him wrong. Did him way wrong. All right, we're going to break right here. We got Tim Lasher coming up at 1235. First hours brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We'll be right back. New enrollee at OU. Surprise, surprise. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Uh, welcome back. You know, uh, Kansas, one of the few rock and roll bands to uh, use the violin. How many other bands are using the violin? I mean, rock and roll bands, classic rock and roll bands, not a lot. They were innovators. Charlie Daniels, I mean, a lot of pipe organ for Kansas, too. So, anyway. Okay, uh, da, da, da. I had uh, I had them rolling quite a bit back in the day. Went to see them in concert too. That's how old I am. Kids are like Kansas. What? Who? When? But Parker, man, he goes way back with some of his uh, musical choices, which is very good. Which is really good. All right. Uh, before we talk about the the new enrollee at OU, one of the other things that was cracking me up on Twitter last night. People were thinking that uh, Brian Odom and Jamar Cain, they're here to steal players from OU. The only reason they're doing this is to come recruit our players. That's it. Is that 10 out of 10 on the paranoid scale or where? Newsflash, folks. If nobody has followed Muleshoe to USC yet, nobody is following Muleshoe to USC. Regardless of whether or not Brian Odom or Jamar Kane coaches another game at Oklahoma. You're talking about players on the roster Players now, on the roster. Because yes. obviously, Relique Brown, Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, some of the recruits have. Yes. But nobody here. And everybody's worried that, again, it's a, it's like a, a 
you know, they're not undercover because they're out there coaching. But, you know, it's like all of a sudden they're going to go over to Caleb Wood. Hey, man, you, you know about SC, right? Out in L.A.? Yeah. Okay, don't tell, don't tell Bob that I'm talking to you, but hey, what do you think, huh? Here's Lincoln's new number. Mike, here's the reality of the situation. When you get dumped via text, you don't fly halfway across the country to get back together with your old flame. And that's what this situation is. That's essentially what happened. The players found out via social media. They did, and then it was kind of like the the irate girlfriend, you get over here and say that to my face before you leave and walk out on me, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happened in the deal. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's happening, but <laughs> Jamar Cain responded to one of them. It was like, no, don't have to worry about me. I'm here doing what's best for the kids. Jamar's a champ, man. But yeah, I, I love Jamar Cain. Look, I, I guess I can't blame some of the OU fans for being paranoid because they they consider Muleshoe to be the master puppeteer out there, the evil puppet master, pulling the strings now because of the way he exited Norman. So I, I can't say I totally blame him, but I found it somewhat comical last night. All right, uh, new enrollee at OU. You've been talking about this for a long time. You said uh, Jaron Connect will wind up somehow at the University of Oklahoma. Brent wasn't – they didn't offer him, right? They have not, and, as of yet. But who's the who's on the list of new students at OU for next semester? One Jaron Allen Kanak. Wow. Of Hayes, Kansas. And uh, this guy looks like, man, he's a bulldog. I saw highlights, and again, linebacker, but he played some running back, it looks like, right? Uh, he played some quarterback, actually. Oh, it was quarterback. I just saw him run with the football. I didn't know it was quarterback, but I saw him running through like six or seven guys looking like my uncle back when he played eight-man football. They couldn't tackle him. No, and I, nobody in the state of Kansas can tackle Jaron Kanak, I can tell you that much. You watch the highlights, man, I was, I was sitting out there outside the office a couple minutes ago uh, watching the highlight. Uh, tape of Kanak with TJ and Drake and there's this one play where I'm not kidding you Mike he stiff arms six defenders to the ground that's the one I think I saw yes to the ground like straight up lowers the shoulder and plants them on the way to the end zone he is one of the hardest nosed football players I've ever seen on tape and that's a guy that will contribute for Oklahoma in year one okay so would you say he's cut out of the uh, Danny Stutzman, Ethan Downs mold pretty much? Listen. That kind of toughness? Listen, you know how much I love those two. Mm-hmm. I think Kanak's going to be better than both of them. Really? Because what you don't realize, Mike, and what a lot of people don't realize is that, yeah, he's got that same toughness. He's got that same mentality, that same demeanor as a guy like Danny Stutzman or a guy like Ethan Downs. And he's got that bit of small-town edge the way that Downs does. But he's one of the fastest players in the entire nation at the prep level. Have you seen that boy run? 
what is he, a 4 10, 4 guy? 10.37 in the 100 meter dash. How about that? Now, what is the small town attitude you're talking about? Damn, I'm from Hayes, Kansas. I got to get out of here. I got to run. What is it? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about listen, you are in the weight room every single day. There's nothing to do because you have like a Dairy Queen and an Applebee's, and that's it, right? Well, I don't know about it. I've been to Hayes. Hayes isn't a super small town, but small town nonetheless. Nowhere in Kansas proper is really big. But that said, you know, you can just tell small town players, they got that little bit of extra fire in them, you know, because mm-hmm. no, I, I know what f- you're saying. They've had to fight tooth and nail for all the attention that they get, because it's a lot harder to get recruited out of Hayes, Kansas, than it is out of Florida or Georgia or, or some academy, DFW, IMG, Houston, or exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. So you just get the sense watching the way that they play football that they got a little bit of added desire and added motivation to rise to another level. So where will this put the Oklahoma recruiting class, again, with Kanak, with the other guys you think they're going to get, Javante Barnes, Gentry Williams eventually? It'll be a top-10 class. You're thinking 7-8 range? It's going to be a top-10 class. I don't know that I would jump as high as 7. I would say 8-10 to right now is where they'll finish. Somewhere in that 8 to 10 range. And considering that Muleshoe ran the vehicle off the road, it's on the side of the road, and, you know, Josie and Joe Harris have the hood popped up going, what the heck's going on here? We better get Brent Venables to fix this thing. And it looks like the car is going to get right back on the highway and be on cruise control. Really a great job if you consider where this could have gone, right? Man, it's miraculous. And I know I've used that word repeatedly over the last couple of years or couple of weeks, rather, but it really is miraculous because through the years, as we have seen coaches leave their schools abruptly, what always happens, right? There's a massive fallout on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. And stuff hits the fan and hits it fast. And it did to a certain extent at Oklahoma because he lost Derek Moore. You lost Kobe McKenzie for a second there. You lost Pancake Hunter, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. And we're sure all were Pancake a- Hunters, my friend. All of us. And I'm sure, well, I know for a fact there were a lot of OU fans that were, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. Because but that's what it looked like for of the, the world, guys but- that you talked about that left, you had Nick Evers, you had Jaden Gibson, you had Jaron Kanak. Alton Tarber. And you're better off, right? And you get Kobe back, and you arguably are better off long-term. And sure, the class would probably have been a little bit better if Muleshoe had stuck around, but you talk about making the transition to the SEC and the defense that is necessary and the physical makeup that is necessary to compete in that conference, that is something that Jerry Schmidt and Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby can provide that – Muleshoe and Alex Grinch and Benny Wiley probably couldn't. We should play our uh, new version of the Muleshoe sound effects, now complete with Colin Morikawa laughter. Ladies and gentlemen, a new and improved Muleshoe sound effect. Here we go. I think you'll like it. I think. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, Tim Lasher is coming up. Great Sooner, great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, uh, they 
They sponsor this first hour of our show each and every day. We appreciate them very much. We'll get Timmy's thoughts on uh, the current state of college football, the Brent Venables hire, and, uh, you know, we may. which kick did he prefer? 86 Nebraska, 83 Bedlam. Something like that. Tim's coming up next. Stay with us here on The Ref on a Tuesday. Happy holidays, everybody. We are coming right back, so please keep it here. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. All right, welcome back. Steel Man and Thune here on the Rep Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans on a Tuesday. Great to have you along. This guy was ice when it came to the last second field goal for the Sooners. You remember this guy, don't you? Of course you do. It is the one, the only Tim Lasher. And Lasher's kick is good. And the Sooners win it with six seconds to go. Uh, Keith Jackson calling it 86, Oklahoma, Nebraska. That field goal was money. 83, Bedlam was money. There were many of them that uh, Tim booted through the uprights back in his days as the Sooners kicker, 83 through 86. And, of course, uh, his great company, Lasher Home Comfort System, sponsors our first hour here on The Ref. Timmy, how we doing? Mike, doing great, buddy. How are you? Doing really well. I wanted to get you on to get some of your opinions on what's going on with the, uh, Sooner football. What did you think of the uh, the Brent Venables hire? You know, I think it's an absolute home run. You know, and I think that um, as disappointing as everything was, you know, and, and for all the rumors flying around about everything surrounding Lincoln Riley, you know, the, the it was just so disappointing the way that that exit took place. And, and I know the Sooner Nation is furious about it. And I know a lot of people inside are probably furious about it as well. Um, but, you know, the at the end of the day, when you watch the way Brent Venables carries himself, when you see, um, you know, what he is saying, all the right things, you know, in, in regards to graduation and and you know, and really developing young men. And, and I think it's really easy to see as great as he always was when he was here. You know, I think he learned a lot under Dabo Swinney's tutelage. Um, and I just think the kind of person that he is and the culture that he wants to bring is going to be very, very consistent with what Joe Castiglione has done throughout the athletic department. And I'm really excited. And I think he's the perfect fit, especially as we get ready to head into the SEC. Now, Jeff Levy, the new offensive coordinator, Tim, I know you uh, had your opinions there on the Venables hire, but I think a lot of people looking at what the Oklahoma offense has done the last five years under the man that we're now referring to as Mule Shoe and uh, (laughs) projecting what is to come under Jeff Levy. What do you think? Is it an upgrade, a downgrade, lateral move between the two? What do you like about uh, bringing in Jeff Levy as the new offensive coordinator? Uh, well, I, I think in regards, you know, a lot of people ask me about that, you know, when, by who we should hire going into it. And again, I think we've got to look to the future and, you know, Jeff Levy is, has done a great job in regards to the offenses that he's been in charge of. Uh, and, and let's make no mistake, great players will make every coach look really good. And, um, but I think that if you look at what Lincoln Riley did, 
as great as an offensive mind as he was, I don't know at the end of the day if we won any more games than we would have with some other quality coaches that had been that could have been at Oklahoma in the head coaching spot. Um, you know, I don't know that we advanced any further than what we had really anticipated or hoped to. Uh, as good as he was, and, and this year has been a very difficult year to watch, frankly, because I think it's a team that was didn't play up to their talent level. So when I look at Jeff Lebby, I see a guy that's taking guys that probably aren't quite as high-quality talent-wise as what we've seen you know, in our own locker room here in recent years, and he's, he's put productive offenses on the field. You know, our, our weakness over the last few years has been in the defensive side of the ball, and uh, – I think that if you've got a guy that knows how to recruit down in that part of the country, down in the SEC, and you've got a guy with a defensive background like Brent Venables, who's as charismatic as he is, uh, and I don't know Jeff, but if he's as charismatic as Brent is, I think they've got a really good combination there. Um, And if we can start stopping some people uh, on a consistent basis and get off the field on third down, I think Jeff Levy's going to have an offense, uh, you know, and again, anticipating Caleb Williams being the guy – under center uh, that's going to be able to uh, uh, make us highly competitive again. Jim Lasher, our guest, former Sooner, here on uh, Steel Man and Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, you and I had a conversation about this uh, when I was setting up uh, us wanting to to have you on today. And, you know, we're, we're old school now. Tim, we're getting old. I was at OU when you were at OU making all those big kicks. Uh, college football has changed, man, with the NIL and – the transfer portal, the early signing period, conference realignments. Um, are, are you concerned about where the sport might be in, say, five to ten years? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about where it's going to be this year and next year. And, you know, we're already seeing the ripple effects of this. Um, and, you know, Mike, I've got kind of a unique perspective on it because I was a walk-on. And, you know, that, that 83 season you're talking about, um, you know, I – I was still a walk-on. I was still paying my own way through school, uh, even though I was contributing on the football team. And it wasn't until just before my, my second year in 1984 that I was put on scholarship. So I've been able to see the difference, not in regards to not only on the financial side of it, but how you're treated as a walk-on versus a scholarship player. And, you know, and I, and I don't want to sound – I guess like this one of the hashtag olds guys, you know, too much. But um, if you're a scholarship football player in a major university or a scholarship athlete, you've got it pretty good. And I don't blame the guys because they don't know any different. Everybody's been courting them all along, probably since they were little, wanting them on their team. Um, but they're, you know, we don't want to get into a situation where we devalue an education because I think that's actually a disservice to the athletes. Um, I don't have a problem, you know, with the cost of attendance that they're getting. A lot of people don't know that there's, you know, athletic departments have been providing Pell Grants for some of the student athletes that have the greatest needs. So, you know, with all that, you know, you, people were seeing, what, maybe ten to $12,000 a year um, in legal money and under NCAA guidelines on top of the scholarship and all the privileges that come along with that. So it's not as bad on those athletes even before the NIL. Now that we've gotten into this, I, I don't know what's going to happen. There's, there's just no – I feel like the NCAA has been um, emasculated in, in trying to 
be able to do anything, so they've kind of stepped aside and have just left it. So I think one of two things is going to happen. Either it's going to implode on itself or everybody's going to agree to let the NCAA come back into this somehow or some governing body and and try to reel this in because what we're seeing is this is worse than uh, the old stories that you used to hear, most of which weren't true about guys getting jobs for free and just getting handed cash, you know, buckets of money. They were all it's, true so at S- they were all true at SMU though at the time, but uh, that is true. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely true. You know, and and uh, that and that cost them. And, but you know, and and again, the NCAA is a voluntary organization that the schools all said they want to be a part of because they realize governance is needed, and they certainly don't get it right all the time. But you know, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, what Texas is doing right now, you know, I don't know how anybody can feel like they're getting away with it, you know, and, um, and the SEC and Jimbo Fisher said something the other day about it, that this has been going on for years. It just wasn't legal and nobody told anybody about it. (laughs) And there's a lot of truth in that. The SEC didn't tell on each other. The other schools would. (laughs) So it was probably a little uglier down there. So I I don't know, you know, Mike, I, 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 uh, I'm worried for, college sports in general, you know, I think basketball is taking a huge hit with this one and done stuff. And, and I understand it's a capitalistic society we live in and everybody should go out and, and, and get what they can. But I, I still think we've got to teach people, especially these younger guys, you know, you got to wait your turn. You got to do your time before you, the big reward comes in because college football really wasn't designed to, make you the breadwinner for your family while you were in college. It was to prepare you for life. And I think it's somewhat of a disservice to the guys to not allow them to do that and just throw money at them right now while they're here. Some phenomenal thoughts there, Tim. And I want to shift now and ask you a question that to a certain degree is low-hanging fruit, but several of our uh, listeners via the Air Comfort Solutions text line are eager to hear your thoughts on the current Oklahoma kicker, Gabe Burkich, as a former kicker yourself. Is, is he just... Is he just awesome? I mean, he, he is. Now, I, I don't know that he's going to ever dispel the, you know, the, the 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 stereotypical kicker personality being a little off center at all. But he's just he's, and I mean this affectionately. You know, he's like a cartoon character. You know, I mean, I think if you put a black cape and a black hat on him, he'd look like, you know, somebody that Bullwinkle was fighting <laughs> against every Saturday morning. You know, is that the way you but, were in your college days, Tim? <laughs> no, I, I was more stereotypical kicker that I'll kick the touchdown and move out of the way. And, you know, coaches told me, stay out of the piles, get off the field. You know, that's good stuff. But, uh, but you know, he has been really good. And, um, you know, and I know he's had a couple of times where, uh, you know, he's missed some field goals that were surprising to everybody, but that's because he set the bar so high because he was making everything he kicked his first year. And, um, but he, he's, a, he's really a, a – a good fun guy to watch and and i know his teammates love him and so it's just uh it's i love seeing the success that they've been able to have um on that part of the ball because the guy's really really good tim uh before we let you go all right uh you know we, we got to go back for all of us uh that's you know uh remember all your big kicks um give me three that stand out because i know 83 bedlam 86 nebraska give me uh give me three that stand out to you and uh, what you were thinking before you made all of them? Well, I, I, the, obviously the two you just mentioned were, were two huge 
kicks. I think personally, the 83 Oklahoma State game was one that meant so much because I, I'm not joking with you. And someday I'll tell you the whole story behind all of it. But there was guys in that locker room that probably didn't know my name that day. I, you know, I'd only started a couple of games and um, I'd miss a couple field goals and it just wasn't a focal point for us. The first field goal I made was against Texas. So to kick that, that, you know, late uh, field goal, the way we came back to beat our in-state rival, it was just uh, personally, that was the most rewarding day. That was, that's like Letterman on Carson the first time, you know, it was just, (laughs) that was just meant a lot to me. And obviously beating Nebraska, that was the last game of my senior year, the last regular season game. So it just, it felt great to do that. But you know, there's there's other field goals I remember. Um, one one year in 1984, this was right after the week we that we tied Texas when we'd recovered a fumble and intercepted a pass and ended up with a tie game against Texas. We went up to play Iowa State, and we ended up winning that game 12 to 10. And but we were losing the whole game, and fairly early in the fourth quarter we had to kick about a 38 yard field goal or something i think and if we'd missed it there's a pretty good chance we don't get back in the game and so there was probably as much pressure on something like that than there was the nebraska game in 86 because that game was tied and we knew we'd be the conference champs even if we tied that ball game so i think back on those and just those pressure kicks and you know for me it was all about mechanics the the build-up going into those is always um, a challenge because it's nerve-wracking waiting on the sidelines to see what's going to happen and knowing that the pressure's on you and all the guys are coming up to talk to you going hey man you got this you get you know you get it you're like do they really think I got this or are they just trying to tell me they, they know I got this you know and uh, so you know anyway that's just and then when you get out in the field you know your instincts take over and and you've tried to reduce the margin of error by kicking as many practice balls as you could and and uh and you know fortunately i ended up on the right side of those most of the time but it was uh, just all part of the whole the whole machine that was sooner magic back in those days and just a lot of really great memories with great teammates and really great football teams back then no doubt fond memories for sure tim lasher our guest tim let's catch up again down the road we appreciate uh you sponsoring our first hour every day lasher home comfort systems they've done some work at uh, at our place done great work for us at a very fair price uh, well, give them a call they're unbelievable and tim like i said it's good catching up with you we'll do it again soon hey thanks guys tim lasher great sooner again great company lasher home comfort systems so yeah walk on so he comes in and uh, wins the oklahoma state game in stillwater a game the sooners were down what was it 23 to 3 or something like that came all the way back won the game like he said most of the players in the locker room had no idea who he was they did after he made the game winner all right we'll break right here we got one more segment to go first hour talk a little uh, college bowl games and we got some NFL happening uh, tonight as well. We'll get into that next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Oh yes, one of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time. Dexy's Midnight Runners. I don't think they had anything besides this song. 
No, they did not. But it was big back in the day. It was big back in the day. Tim Lasher, thank you for coming on. We appreciate uh, Tim and his company, uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, again, for sponsoring our first hour here on The Ref. Are you excited about bowl game action happening uh, and NFL action happening tonight? First of all, bowl game matchups for you, Parker. Kent State against Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in lovely Boise, Idaho. You know what I hate? You know what I hate? Pota- don't say potatoes. No, 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 no. Bake them. Agratin them. Fry them. Whatever you want to do. I'm good with a potato. I hate Imagine the, Imagine where society would be without potatoes. Where is the uh, famous Idaho potato bowl? It's, uh, oh, oh, the blue turf. I can't. The, the, blue, the turf. blue turf. Albertson Stadium. Sucks. Pardon my language. I, there's no party. It's, it's horrible. I hate it. I, I, I absolutely hate it. I don't it. feel the need to pardon you, Mike. It's not, I agree a, with you. it's not a novelty anymore or anything. It's just annoying. And it was the beginning of an alarming trend because now – Coastal Carolina has the teal turf. Yes, I know. Uh, Central Arkansas has the gray and purple turf. Have you seen Eastern Washington with the red turf? So bad. So bad, All of yes. it is disgusting and appalling. It works in basketball. It doesn't work in football. No. It's not cool. Grass is meant to be green. That's right. And Whether you real need or to fake. have natural grass. Not that freaking tire parts flying up anywhere when somebody gets tackled. You know, the rubber stuff. That, uh, you know, like in Oklahoma State or Texas. I, artificial turf? No. Is it the maintenance cost or what? I mean, OU's field be. looks unbelievable. It's got to be the maintenance, yes. We need to save some money. Let's get some artificial, you know. It looks horrible. It looks really bad. Uh, also, how about this matchup between UTSA, the Roadrunners, against Andrew State. You've got a 12-1 and team against an 11-2 and team in the Frisco Bowl. And on the call, our own Toby Rowland. What? Mm-hmm. How did I not know that? Yeah, he was doing the radio call. Really? Uh-huh. I must have not been paying enough. I, I, I got off Twitter for a while. See, I was addicted to it for like two weeks, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to put the phone down for a while. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. I like that. He'll do a great job because he always does. Um, but, yeah, I don't like Boise, Idaho. I don't like uh, – I don't like the blue turf. I don't like Boise State. I didn't really like Boise State even before the Fiesta Bowl. Why is that? Jared Zabransky, Ian Johnson. What was your beef with Boise State before the Fiesta Bowl? Blue turf. Okay. And everybody talking them up all the time. And then they've been living off that OU victory for years and years and years. You know, like, well, kind of like Oklahoma did over the Sugar Bowl win over Alabama. Anytime you went into, like, Sam's or Walmart and they were displaying a big screen, it had a replay of OU Alabama. I understand the Fiesta Bowl. The OU Boise Fiesta Bowl is still playing there. All they had there is potatoes. That's it, right? Boise, anything else? Corporate offices of uh, Albertsons, (laughs) potatoes, and Boise State football. Uh, Potatoes is really all you need. I mean, shoot, you got the market cornered on potatoes? It's a pretty good situation. You're set. I need some fries. Do I want crinkle cut from Brahms? Do I want McDonald's? Tough choice. Two powerhouses right there, no doubt. I'm a I'm a Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Oh, uh, those are good. Those are really good too. They're definitely in the playoff. All right, we've got uh, Brandon Rabar talking Thunder basketball. A lot more Sooner football stuff and all of your texts coming up in the next hour. Keep it here on the ref. The sweat of the bar.
It's time for the Steelman and Thune at Noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston and Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Welcome in, hour number two, ladies and gentlemen, number two. Who does number two work for? It works for you, ladies and gentlemen, hour number two works for you. And uh, Brandon Rabar will join us to talk a little Oklahoma City uh, Thunder basketball coming up. Thunder beat the Grizzlies. They avenge, avenge me! The 73-point loss to uh, Memphis back on December 2nd has been taken care of. But it's still the one of the worst loss in NBA history. So really, it hasn't been taken care of. But there was a, they 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 got some respectability back by winning last night, one hundred two to ninety nine. SGA twenty three. Josh Giddy nineteen points, eleven assists. Uh, Kenrich Williams had thirteen. Lou Dort had twelve. So uh, it makes a difference when you have SGA, Josh Giddy, and Kenrich Williams in the lineup. Which Imagine they didn't have the that. Last time. They didn't have the last time. Hey, when we first started, remember, I had what I told you was my first old man moment, right? And that was me tripping over a uh, extension cord here and nearly falling flat on my face and just making the save before I face planted. But I hurt my knee and my wrist. It was the first old man fall I've ever taken. I had an old man moment this morning. Tell me if you think this is a legitimate old man moment. Because it certainly felt like it. Tracking. So I've got to go get my uh, booster shot. I've been vaccinated twice. I get the Pfizer vaccine. And I've been trying to find time. And I thought, you know, I've got a little extra time. I'm going to run by CBS. Maybe they can give me the jab real quick. Oh, no. Of course not. There was some. And they're a fine company. Don't get me wrong. But... That's one of the reasons that I very rarely go to the doctor. There's too much paperwork, too many loopholes, too many things to sign. What's your card number? What's the hashtag for your insurance? What's their catchphrase? What's your, you know, everything. This is a million, these are a million questions to answer. So I go through the sign up. So they said, well, you can go on our mobile app, sir, and sign up. And I'm like, okay, I'll go there. So I get on the mobile app. I'm right there. They're all looking at me. And they're like, you'll see how this old man does here. And I was having a lot of problems. They had to take the phone from me like three times. <laughs> and at one point, this is an old man statement, if there ever was one. And I uttered it. And the moment that I uttered this line, I knew, dude, you're old i was having problems they took the phone i'll let you guess what i said one of the reasons i was having problems was what did i say i honestly have no idea i don't have my glasses that's it right there (laughs) when you say i don't have my glasses that's where you know. Wow, Mike. You're an old man. Yeah. They Oof. gave me a pair of readers <laughs> to complete the assignment. This text was so small, you could be the best, the the owl with the best eyesight on the planet, and you couldn't read this text. And they're expecting me to fill this out. 
They took the phone from me three times. I uttered, I don't have my glasses. At one point, I got frustrated. Old man line, man, I could have broken into the vault at Fort Knox before I complete this questionnaire. That get a, did get a laugh out of him. But now tell me, is that an old man moment or not? And I want to know on the text line. Oh, when, that's absolutely. When you an old utter man the phrase, line. I don't have my glasses, Mike, there's no question. That's a slam dunk. That is that is the oldest thing you've ever done. When they have to take the phone from you. Yeah. Here, let me see it, sir. I mean, I might as well have bought the uh, the readers and a cane and left. Thank you, Glenn Miller, for your moonlight serenade. <laughs> I think this one oh, was my. this one was a much worse old man moment than the yeah. Uh, no, that's the, a the fall because you can anyone can be forgiven for tripping over an extension cord, right? Yes, like it's something that happens. But again, it was the way I reacted to the fall with the old man reaction time, where normally most people would have been able to, you know, save their balance, and I nearly busted my face on that. But again, you think this one is much more egregious? Yeah, this uh, that one is about twenty times worse than your first old man moment. Oh, this is so bad. I need to start looking at uh, rest homes, don't I? I'm going to be eating cream corn, tapioca pudding. Canned peaches. And Salisbury steak with some canned peaches. <laughs> Mr. Steely, do you need your readers? I don't need no readers. I mean, but when you say the phrase again, I don't have my glasses as an excuse. But I'm telling you, this text was the smallest text ever invented. It was like, I'm trying to read it was impossible. Let me let me give you a little secret here, Mike. Okay. So if you press two fingers against the screen and then pull no, them but apart, this was on their it side. It was it. their text, though. I'm talking about the size of the text on the questionnaire. I couldn't change it. Oh, interesting. So it was on like an actual sheet of paper. No, 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 no. This was on the mobile app on my phone. They said just go to our go to the mobile the website on your mobile phone and fill out the questionnaire, and you're good. I'm telling you, man, you couldn't read this text on their website with a telescope. Air Comfort Solutions text line. The next stage in old manisms is telling people you have to eat right now so you can take your back pill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm eating between 4 and 5 o'clock, so I'm probably there already. I always tell Shay, she laughs at me, I said, we need to go, man. Seniors hours are the best. There's no waiting Nobody, no, no kids crying or anything, you know, around your table. Because, we, you know, if you go at regular hours, there's a chance the crying kid's going to be there. And, you know, the parents are just going to let them wail for, for an hour. They don't care that your meal is being interrupted by their whiny kid. He's got blooming onion sauce all over his face, crying while you just sit there. But, yes, uh that's the, that's the magic hour between four and five. I mean, when you're on the air in the time slot that we are, you kind of can't help but eat somewhere in that afternoon range. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, we get here at, like, you get here earlier than I do every single day. But, but you're doing so, not like you're not working, though. I'm just in cutting audio. That's the only reason I'm here earlier. You're, exactly. But this you're doing is, stuff. This has entirely disrupted my normal eating schedule. Right, because generally, you sit down to lunch at like twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't sit down to lunch at twelve thirty when you're on the air. 
I mean, we could we could do that, I suppose. You know, TJ is the smart one here. He brings his lunch in one of those little bitty coolers. He's saving money and he's healthier than we are. He's not looking for his glasses, filling out the CBS questionnaire for his booster. You know why? He's probably eating carrots every day at lunch. No problems. Maybe we'll just start doing a segment called At the Lunch Table, where instead of talking, we just have the mics on us and we're eating. Well, I know a couple of hosts who have done that in the past. <laughs> oh, I know. eat on the air. I know. You've name-dropped them. So, uh, so anyway, but I don't know. I think that, that was the oldest I've ever felt was this morning. And it just came out. It was like an involuntary deal. It was like I can tell that the old instinct kicked in. Because never would I have said in a public situation like that, I, you know, the problem is I, I don't have my glasses. And it just kind of came out just like it was involuntary. And that tells you that you're, you're there. You have reached senior status. <sighs> that is – we should probably play some Glenn Miller into the break because I really – Oh, you know that. I will. So, yeah. All right. It's coming now. It's coming for every one of you that are laughing right now, okay? I'm just telling you, get ready. Don't get your popcorn ready. Get your cream corn ready or something that you can digest easily. <laughs> That's the senior version of the old Terrell Owens quote is get, get your creamed corn ready. That's right. So what I'm going to be doing this Christmas. Do you think they were laughing at me when I left? What do you think? Or do you think they felt sorry They were probably me? just... They're probably just exchanging glances like, and geez, silent dude. chuckles. Can you believe it took that guy 20 minutes to fill out that questionnaire? Air Comfort Solutions text line once again. Mike, don't feel bad. That just happened to me at the podiatrist. Left the readers in the car, so they helped me to fill out the rest. I'm 54. Did you say, I forgot, I, I don't have my glasses because that, like I said, that's one of the top 10 old people sayings. Old School MJ says, you are old school when programs you enjoy watching have sponsors targeting the 65-plus age group. Are you there, Mike? I am, man. I've got an NIL deal with the pens right now. (laughs) Another one of our listeners says, I got to do the redneck voice for this one. Your kid starts crying at the restaurant. Everyone at the table should be escorted out immediately. There you go. I've told I, the kids are the future of this great country and this planet, but they shouldn't be. If they're crying kids, they shouldn't be at a restaurant. Now I understand if you don't have a crying kid, you don't expect to cry. Okay, but if you know your kid's a crier and you still take them, hit the drive-through. You should be charged double. You know what I mean? I agree. I'm I telling concur. you, I remember the Bloomin' Onion kid to this day. Bloomin' Onion sauce all over his face, crying nonstop, and the parents are just looking at their phone. Maybe the onion made him cry. I don't know. But he wasn't slicing the onion. He was just devouring the onion with his bare hands while his parents stared at their phones. I isn't mean, isn't the blooming onion like doesn't that have more calories than like any other <laughs> they're good calories chain restaurant food they're very good calories i'm sure they are it's probably uh, i, I haven't had a blooming onion in probably a decade in the chain uh restaurant appetizer playoff it's probably uh one seed i don't know if it's a one it's really it's up there it's way up there 
That's a good question. Who would be in the chain restaurants, national chain restaurant, appetizer playoff? We need your uh, we need your suggestions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. All right. We'll get serious when we get back. We'll talk a little uh, NFL. Man, the Browns won first down. That's all you had to do to close it. And the postseason was a very distinct possibility. Now you need a miracle, a Mayfield miracle. I don't know if it's going to happen, though. They get the Packers in Lambeau Saturday. Quick turnaround. All right, we will head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Big news for the Sooners, and we'll hear uh, more from Bob Stoops coming up next. Stay here. I reached it this morning, pretty much. All right, welcome back. It is officially Kansas Day because of uh, Jaron Kanak, right? That's why you're playing Kansas. I know. I got a brain up here in this cranium somewhere. There's always a reason, Mike. Always a reason for every bump in and out. Mm. So, uh, welcome back, and thanks to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. I was talking about my old moment today at the pharmacy where the the ladies at the pharmacy had to take my phone from me and help me fill out the uh, COVID booster information. Because unless you had the Hubble telescope, you couldn't read the fine print on anything. And at one point I said, I don't have my glasses. And you could tell they felt sorry for me. Like, we need to help this old man right now. So they took my phone and helped me. But it was, it was definitely, uh, that's my second old man moment. The first was the fall. The second was, uh, happened early this morning. So anyway, I just signed a new uh, NIL deal with uh, Metamucil also. Um, so, Metamucil and Depends. Um, a new line of Depends called Depends Bikini. Going to be very sexy. Wow. Yeah, Depends Look at Bikini. you, Mike. They don't have Bikini Depends, do they? Defying stereotypes out here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob Stoops, it feels like when was the last big reunion tour? Like, we never got the Beatles reunion. We eh, kind of got the Zeppelin reunion. Backstreet Boys, I don't know. But Bob Stoops, it feels like he's on his last concert tour because he's doing a press conference every other day, right, it seems like. And uh, for the Alamo Bowl yesterday, Bob uh, answered a bunch of questions. He's been, uh, you know, Bob isn't anywhere near, you know, he's, he's, um, he's a, I think, like a year or two older than me, but he's doing great. He's not looking for his readers at the pharmacy, you know, guarantee you. Guy's about to go out and coach him up is what he's doing. And uh, Bob still keeps talking about Brent's hire. And uh, one of the things he keeps hitting on, and I think he's right, he says that Brent's new approach, again, may be just what the Sooners need right now. And I love the fact that what they've been doing at Clemson is different than what we're doing here. So I think he brings some great new ideas and, and thoughts and ways to run the program and what you need to do. To get us from being that, you know, 11-2, and 10-2 and two team that's number five in the country to 15, somewhere in there, maybe this is what, you know, gets us in these next few years over the hump to be that, you know, be that national champion and in the playoffs all the time. I know we've been in a good bit, but I think this can help us even more. He has that background to get it done. All right. Uh, so do you think – 
stagnant is probably too strong a word for OU football, right? I mean, you're still winning conference championships until this year, but you also consider the league you're in. And the fact of the matter is either Oklahoma or Texas, really talent-wise, should win the league every year at the Big 12. Uh, Texas has recruited well, but they don't coach them up very well, and therefore the Sooners have uh, you know, coached them up pretty pretty impressively compared to Texas, and Oklahoma's always going to get a great share of uh, really elite talent as well. So do you think the program was at all getting stagnant or regressing? I don't think it was regressing. I, I think it was quite the contrary. I do think Oklahoma under Muleshoe was headed towards perennial national championship contender status, especially if you look at the class that they were going to bring in in 2022 and the class that they had already assembled in 2023. I think there was a ton of positive momentum. I think you could even say the same within the 2021 season. I know that didn't really manifest itself down the stretch, but that was already because old boy had one foot out the door already. So, no, I think this Oklahoma football program was already headed in a tremendous direction. And... I think the one the one concern I had, Mike, was how is that going to translate to SEC play? And I think you now have a very tangible and much better answer to that question with Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby in the fold than you did with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch because Brent Venables is better equipped to lead a team into a conference like the SEC than Muleshoe. Yes, physicality and toughness, and, uh, you know, there's there's another level of that they need to get to. And I'm not saying any of the current Sooner players, you know, aren't tough or they don't go through, you know, the workouts aren't, you know, walking the park. But what they're getting ready to go through with Jerry Schmidt is probably going to be on a different level. And they just have to get they, – they have to – the model of the car has to change when you're moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. You know, you can get by with a Prius in the uh, Big 12, right? you got to have like a Hummer in the SEC, it seems like. A big vehicle, you know, because it's just a different brand of football. Now, again, the SEC has made it a little bit of a transition as well. It's not uh, – you know, they're spreading the ball out, too, but the defenses, again, are uh, are still, for the most part, physical, and they can run, and the best defensive players in the country for years and years and years and years, not all of them, but a vast majority of them have been going to play in the SEC, particularly for Bama, for LSU, for Georgia, you know, all the really good elite teams in the SEC. So, uh, I think that will help Oklahoma. Uh, speaking of the Sooners and getting more physical, everybody expects that with the return of Jerry Schmidt as the Sooners' strength and conditioning coach. Here's Bob Stoops talking about Schmidt's return. Schmidt's got he's got great experience. You know, the guys won a national championship at Notre Dame, uh, a few at Nebraska, here at, at here at OU, uh, won one with us, and then been in two, three others. So. You know, Smitty brings great experience. He knows what he knows what championship teams look like. He knows what championship teams work like, and and uh, you know, and how they react to the work. And and so we're you know very fortunate to have him back. And and um, again, he's there's not a better strength coach in the country. So our guys will be lucky to to have a guy like that to work with every day, who's going to maximize their ability and their their talent. And I, I, you know, and he, he's going to 
he's going to develop our guys in the right ways, and uh, and I'm excited to see it. There you go. Bob Stoops and the Sooners again uh, will be taking on Oregon. It's eight days away, 8-15 kickoff. Man, I can remember running the board when you were sitting where you're sitting right now when the Sooners went to play Hawaii. And I think it was, was it like an 11, would have been Hawaii's four hours. I think it was an 11 p.m. kick. And I remember, I think once the postgame show was over, the sun had come up. Wow. So it was a long postgame show. But wow. that's, the, that's, that's the latest kick for OU, obviously. But 8.15, man, that's... Yeah, you're going to be in bed by then, aren't you, I, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a pot of coffee. I'm going to have uh, 75 Red Bulls, and I'll be all right. You know, it's what it is when you fall asleep, for me, it's if you're passively watching something. Like, if you're, we're kind of watching Breaking Bad again. Uh, because we ran out of series and we're not watching sports. I'm watching Breaking Bad. We're going back through it. Pretty cool stuff you see the second time around. You didn't notice the first time. Have you seen that series, by the way? Breaking Bad? No, I haven't. Oh, so good. So very good. you got to watch that when you get time. Um, but, again, once you've seen it, we're kind of passively, you know, checking Twitter or whatever and doing other stuff and kind of passively watching it. But if you're in tune with – a Sooner football game, you're not passively watching that. So I'll be fine that night. I'm not afraid of the old man having to deal with that. So anyway. Okay, so uh, I saw you just commented on a tweet, a receiver from UTEP in the portal. That's right, Jacob Cowling, who had a big, big year for the Miners down there, and he will find a splashy landing spot. I don't think it's an impossibility that Oklahoma might make a play for him. I think with the way that things stand right now, I would imagine Oklahoma adds one receiver via the portal. One, maybe two. Just for the sake of bringing in experience. Because you lose Jaden Hazelwood, and naturally you replace that with a couple of freshmen. But outside of Mike Woods, there's just not a ton. Well, and Drake Stoops is in that conversation as well. There's just not a ton of really experienced wideouts and not guys that have proven that they can produce top-of-the-line numbers. And so a guy like Jacob Cowing, I think, is a perfect fit in that regard. And so, like I said, he will have many, many looks from top-end programs. Where, based on where what did he, he did. play and, his high school football? Oh, I couldn't tell you offhand. Um, State of Texas? I'd imagine so if he okay. ended up at UTEP. Hmm. And uh, what is your thought on what's going to happen with uh, Casey Thompson playing the waiting game for a while? Yeah, look, I really do believe that Casey Thompson is going to wait to make a decision until we find out for sure what Caleb Williams is doing because I don't think it's a particular secret, Mike, that OU is where Casey Thompson wanted to be as a high school prospect. It's kind of where his heart has always been. And the reality of the situation was they're just – there never really was an opportunity, a plausible opportunity for Casey Thompson to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma. There was never a situation that he would have stepped in where he would have figured, okay, this is going to be Casey Thompson's team in X year. It just never played out that way. And that's the reason he ended up at Texas. Obviously, Oklahoma <laughs> experienced firsthand what kind of potential Casey Thompson has as a passer because he torched he that OU secondary that in that yeah. football game. Uh, the 55-48 to Oklahoma victory in which we witnessed the genesis of the Caleb Williams era. But 
No, it, to circle back to my original thought, obviously we don't know with certainty what Caleb Williams is going to do after the bowl game. And based on that, I think Casey Thompson, who has interest from many an FBS program across the country right now, I can tell you that much, I think he will wait to see what Caleb Williams decides. And if Caleb Williams hits the transfer portal and makes the decision to go elsewhere, you could very well see Casey Thompson in an Oklahoma Sooners uniform in 2022. And if Caleb Williams stays, would Nebraska be the favorite? What do you think? I was hearing a little bit of that yesterday. I've heard TCU. Um, I don't know how much validity there is there, but what do you think? Because we, I all, think, we, we think that Caleb Williams is going to stay. Again, it's not a guarantee at this point, but that's what we think right now. Nebraska is one that would make a lot of sense. I also think somewhere like Ole Miss would make a, would make a lot of sense for Casey Thompson, just because I think he's a guy that you, if you put him, if you put him, you put anybody under Lane Kiffin's tutelage, right? They're going to put up numbers, and that's going to give Casey Thompson a chance, if based on productivity alone, to play at the next level. So, Nebraska and Ole Miss are the two that uh, I would keep an eye on right now, pending Kayla Williams' decision. All right, we'll break right here. Thanks to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. It's Exit 72, Paul's Valley, for a great deal on a car or truck. When we get back, Brandon Rabard joins us. The Thunder broke into the double digits in the win column, 10 and 19 after their victory at Memphis last night. We'll talk a little uh, OKC hoops. Thunder with a 102-99 victory over the Grizzlies last night. And uh, also talk a little uh, NBA stuff, some interesting stuff happening, particularly in the uh, in the Eastern Conference race. We'll get into that and more when we get back. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. OKC got it done in Memphis last night, 102 to 99. Oklahoma City now 10 and 19 on the season. Remember, the uh, Grizzlies pinned the Thunder with a 73-point beatdown back on December 2nd. Uh, so Oklahoma City, do they really avenge the 73-point loss? I mean, that's still in the record books, but still, it's a nice win for Oklahoma City. Brandon Rabard joins us, DailyThunder.com, on the law offices. Of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. And uh, Brandon, it makes a little bit of a difference when you have SGA, Josh Giddy, and Kenrich Williams in the lineup. You don't lose by 73, you actually win. And Kenrich, apparently, those three guys make a 76 point difference. Yes. And went from losing by 73 with those guys out of the lineup and winning by three with those guys in the lineup. And the other part of this, John Moran didn't play that first game either when the Thunder got shell-shocked, but he played last night. So even with Jaw just adding SGA, Gideon, and Kenrich back to the lineup, that's how big a difference those guys make, and that's how good I think those guys are. And, you know, it's, it's so promising. You know, the Thunder, when they win, they tend to win on the backs of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Dort, and Josh Giddy for the most part, and that's their young core moving forward. And they're still so young and inexperienced. So it, 
it's all very, very promising when they get wins like this. That was a very good win last night for this Thunder team because this, this Memphis team is, is a pretty solid playoff team. Brandon, how about that buzzer beater from SGA over the weekend? Best moment of the season for the Thunder? Yeah, I think so, especially when you look at it in context. Like, not only just the buzzer beater itself and how impressive that was, you know, you look at the team that they were playing, the Clippers, well, the Thunder owned their first-round draft pick. It's better for the Thunder each time the Clippers lose, so that was nice. The play itself was great. But the further context of the game before when SGA hit that miracle shot, you know, that 35-foot, one-handed, at, you know, 1.4 seconds left, uh, in the game, but then the Pelicans hit that 61-foot shot to win the game, the longest shot in NBA history as far as a, a game winner goes. Uh, so when you look at it, the SGA had two of those shots back-to-back, and the, the second one kind of redeemed that, that first one that didn't end up making a difference. Just a, a big-time shot and a big-time moment for the Thunder. They needed that. These two games were really, really redemptive if you look at it in that way uh, because – they made up for the Memphis huge historic loss last night, and then that game winner made up for the one before. All right, give me an evaluation right now, uh, Brandon. We're we're nearly thirty games into this uh, this NBA season. Give me an evaluation of the rookie class uh, for Oklahoma City with Josh Giddy, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl. Uh, Trey Mann and Aaron Wiggins. What are you thinking about that group at this point? Better oh, than expected. I th- I- yeah, I, look, I think that each one of them in their own way has been a steal. You know, Josh Giddy taken at number six overall. People thought that the Thunder should have taken maybe Jonathan Kaminga or James Booknight, and it looks like Josh Giddy was the correct pick. So that looks like a steal. Then Trey Mann, you know, when you look at his per 36 numbers, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's shooting over 40% from three. Each time he comes in, he's kind of this microwave scorer, and he's showing more and more of his offensive bag. I think you're seeing now why the Thunder selected him at number 18 and why they're so high on him. And then uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl becoming a starter as a second-round pick is just incredible value, and he's looked really good when he's played. Again, a good shooter, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none, maybe a, a 6'9", Kenrich Williams, if you will. And then Aaron Wiggins, you know, he's had a couple of spot starts himself and looked really good in a limited time. But for a late second round pick, I think you got to say that the Thunder hit on all four picks at this point. It's early, small sample size, but the uh, early returns look good. Now, Brandon, the Thunder are currently two games out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Chips on the table right now. You say they push for that playoff spot or you think they tank? No, they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's really impressive how they've been playing. They've they've exceeded expectations, I think, and they have the capability of beating teams like Memphis or the Clippers on in any given night, and they've been competitive and entertaining. But ultimately, I think that the goal for this season hasn't changed. I think the goal for this season is to add a guy like Bancaro or Chet Holmgren or Jamari Smith Jr., one of these big-time bigs, to uh, this young core. So I don't think that that's changed at all. I don't think that they'll make the play-in or playoffs. But, you know, uh, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, but they'll be even more fun if they add one of those guys. So I think that's still the goal. 
Brandon Drabar with us on the uh, law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line here on uh, Steel Man and Thune on your Tuesday. Uh, I'm looking at, if you look at the, the East and the West, interesting, the Suns and Golden State have both been great. They're one, two in the West. Oklahoma City has Phoenix coming up on Thursday. Uh, Utah, as you mentioned, Memphis is a solid playoff team right now. They're the fourth seed in the West, and Oklahoma City won there last night. Uh, Denver fifth, the Clippers sixth in the uh, playoff tournament right now. It'd be the Lakers, the T-Wolves, Dallas, and Portland. In the East, it's really interesting because the Nets are 21-9. and nine. They're the top seed. The defending champs, Milwaukee, they're the four seed right now. But the Bulls and Cleveland, I mean, the job that Billy Donovan has done in Chicago and the job that uh, J.B. Bickerstaff has done in Cleveland, pretty remarkable. I mean, they're the two, three seeds in the East right now. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, obviously this is a funky year so far with COVID and all the protocols and people going in and out, some injuries. That said, those Cleveland and Chicago teams look for real. I mean, even without, you know, the context of injuries, uh, when when all teams have been healthy, those teams have looked really, really good. And they're doing this, especially the Cavs, with, with young players, with this young core that was, you know, they were a team that got Evan Mobley uh, with the number three pick this last season, and, and now they're that high in the standings, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Obviously, Mobley himself has been a big part of that. Uh, but, yeah, they, they've done an incredible job. And then the Bulls, I think, are maybe an even bigger surprise because, you know, they, they add to Rosen, and, you know, th- that move was, you know, kind of criticized in some ways. Uh, people kind of thought he was he was past his prime and he wasn't, exactly an efficient player and the the fit with Levine was a little funky but Billy Donovan has made it work I mean he's got a knack for making these you know kind of guard heavy lineups work and and it's working in Chicago and and people were critical of Billy Donovan last year too so you know it's it's been a really really impressive job by both the Bulls and Cavs probably the two biggest surprises this season and before we let you go uh one team I've been disappointed in so far the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young's having a pretty good year again, but you look at Atlanta right now, they wouldn't even be in the playoff tournament. And you I know they've had some injuries, but you're still talking about a team with Trey and Bogey Bogdanovich and Herter and Collins and Capella and uh Gallo, Lou Williams. I mean, that's that's a team last year that really made a splash in the postseason and uh they have not continued uh, with that momentum from last uh last season's postseason uh, you know, play that they had, which everybody's thinking, man, Atlanta, oh, look at this team, buy their stock now. and What's gone wrong with the Hawks so far? Yeah, no, you're right. It, it really doesn't make sense because they still have all their guys. I mean, like everybody else, they've had to deal with some, some protocol stuff and some injury stuff, but I mean, nothing to the point that would, you know, make a team that you know makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals fall out of the, the playoff picture it really doesn't I, I i don't really have an answer i wish i did because it doesn't make sense to me either uh, especially when you have a guy like trey young who keeps ascending and you know it'd make more sense if trey was struggling but he's been you know his his self you know i i wonder you know when the roster was constructed we all kind of had our doubts that maybe they these guys didn't fit together there's too many offensive guys uh, not enough defense not enough physicality uh, and last year's playoff run, you know, maybe was aided by some some injuries and some other things that happened to, to other playoff teams. But still, I don't think you go from a Eastern Conference Finals teams to being out of the playoffs. I think they'll still make the playoffs, um, but I do think they have some work to do. That just Trey and Collins 
and Capella alone with those shooters, it should be enough to make the playoffs, especially in the East. But yeah, they they've been very disappointed so far. But but by the time this thing ends, I, I think they'll be in the playoffs. All right, Brandon, good stuff. We'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Thank you so much. And, uh, again, uh, I think you're right. Oklahoma City, those guys made a 76-point difference last night. The ones uh, you talked about, SGA, Giddy, and uh, Kenrich Williams. Pretty impressive. Thanks, Brandon. All right, absolutely. Merry Christmas, guys. Same to you. Brandon Rabar joining us here on uh, Steel Man and Thune here on The Ref. Man, you know what? I forgot my energy drink today. I need some energy. I, I need to go brew some coffee right now is what I need to do. Air Comfort Solutions text line. You want to get a last-minute text in? Do it now. Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you right here at 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Coming right back one segment before we uh, pass the mic to the rush. Keep it here. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Well, if you've been wanting the Cowboys to play Notre Dame, you finally got your wish. First ever meeting... We calling this uh, Cowboys versus Catholics? Sure. Catholics versus convicts, of course, was the classics back in the day. Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame and Miami. But this one, uh, I'm, I'm fired up for Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. I think it's going to be very interesting because I love two schools, you know, and Oklahoma State has uh, climbed the ladder of respectability as a program for a while now. And, um, you know, Oklahoma State somewhere in the, what, 15 to 25? Probably, I would say, somewhere in the 15, 30 range, depending on the year, in terms of really good college football programs. Not like an elite one, but the next level. I would concur. And, again, a lot of that, you talk about potential, too. And um, Mike Gundy really has done an excellent job coaching them up there in Stillwater. But they're in a New Year's Six Bowl game, obviously, playing against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, the first ever meeting between the Irish and the Cowboys uh, in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. And Mike Gundy sounds like he's pretty fired up about the matchup, too as the Cowboys will play Notre Dame for the first time ever. Yeah, I think it's it's cool. You know, it's going to um, bring a lot of national recognition. We have uh, a team that um, just right there on being in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, the committee feels like that they're uh, um, the team that's just right there. Uh, and it'll draw a lot of um, recognition across the country because of their history. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about our logo. I'm excited about Oklahoma State and, uh, and uh, the way people recognize us now coast to coast. And so – um, I think it'll be a heck of a football game. It'll be a great matchup. All right. And uh, when you think of the history of college football, I mean, I, I know Alabama's going great now, and Alabama has a great tradition, and Nick Saban has certainly added a ton to that tradition. Uh, Mule Shoe School, USC's right there. Oklahoma's there. Ohio State's there. Michigan's the winningest program of all time. But I don't know. If you throw everything in, just the mystique of Notre Dame, too, is Notre Dame – number one or are they up in the top three five 
Just when you consider, I mean. I would say Notre Dame is definitely top three, in my opinion. Well, here's the deal. How many schools have two major historical movies made about their program? Newt Rodney, All-American, win one for the Gipper, and Rudy. I mean, OU doesn't have a movie, right? Just everything about Notre Dame football is so historic. Like that is yes, because that is a program that has withstood the test of time. Nebraska has not. Michigan really has not. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame definitely has. Yeah, and look, they've been they haven't won a national championship in a long time. I get that. I totally get that. But uh, still, I think the mystique of Notre Dame is something too. You know about the the gold helmets, touchdown Jesus. I grew up. And, again, this will give you an indication of how old I am, and some of you will probably remember this. I remember on Sunday mornings, the two college football playback shows that we got were Lindsey Nelson calling Notre Dame football, Notre Dame replay, every Sunday morning. It was like the OU playback show was at night at, like, 1030 after the news. Or it was just before the news. I can't remember because I wouldn't have been able to stay up that late as a kid. But, and you got Grambling football with Eddie Robinson. So that's what I grew up with because, keep in mind, I'm so old, we had like four channels back in the day, you know. But I remember just being enthralled and fascinated by watching the Notre Dame replays and the Grambling replays. Lindsey Nelson calling Notre Dame football. So, um, And I, I think when you throw everything in the mix, Notre Dame is, yeah, probably top three. Top I would three. agree because Top I used to think, you know, I think Notre Dame has the best tradition out there of anybody. But Alabama started winning everything. Notre Dame hasn't won in a long time. But when you throw in the pageantry, the tradition, the history, everything, Notre Dame is still pretty tough to beat. Bill says via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, don't forget about the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. The old hunchback, Quasimodo. So... He was a great defensive lineman, though. I mean, for a, a four-star who turned into a five-star, right? That dude could ring the bell, man. He could ring the bell. So, anyway. I don't know. It's, uh, what would the movie about Oklahoma football be called? Play Like a Champion Today? Oh, Lou Holtz has the rights to that, of course. Uh, in Notre Dame, which is ridiculous. How about they brought me in here and I'm throwing the wishbone? The Howard Schnellenberger era. Which would be kind of a dark comedy, I think. There needs to be a movie made about this 2021 season at some point. A documentary at the very least. You got Mule Shoed, the story of the 2021 Oklahoma season. Man. The movie that would best describe the season would be The Departed. (laughs) <laughs> Which won Best Picture, by the way. But it was not. Last man standing. Critic, critics don't like it here, though. I'm telling you. All right. We're out of time. we got the rush coming up next. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll see you.